In the prophet's vision, the people will rejoice because the Lord is renewing creation with righteousness and the promise of salvation. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and in a garden causes what is sown to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 126, found on page 3 of your service bulletin. Would you please stand and sing?
Paul tells the disciples they should always rejoice in the Holy Spirit and exhorts them to lead holy lives and avoid all evil. A reading from the first lesson, first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. This is an unusual day. It's the third Sunday of Advent, but we're celebrating Easter instead, and for two reasons. First, we're baptizing Mason Quinn, an occasion of great joy for us. And secondly, we are commending to God Dan who has died this past week. Both of these occasions are Easter liturgies, and so we've put, on, put the white pyramids on the altar, and the Paschal can, candle is standing here, and it's Easter. When Dan died on Tuesday, and his sisters wanted to have just a simple service for him today, my first thought was, oh no, we're baptizing Mason, we can't do that. But then the more I thought about it, I thought, why not? They're both Easter liturgies, We'll have all the stuff out for both. And then when I read the lessons for today, I knew it would work. The passage we heard from Isaiah speaks of the prophet's vocation to bring good news to the brokenhearted. God is about to bring God's people home from Babylon to Jerusalem. Her long exile is over. It is the year of the Lord's good favor, the jubilee year in which all debts are forgiven and all slaves go free. In Luke's gospel, this is the very passage which Jesus reads at his first sermon in the synagogue at Capernaum. And after he rolls up the scroll, he hands it back to the custodian, sits down and says, Today, 
This reading has been fulfilled in your hearing. With Jesus, the year of the Lord's good favor begins. The good news comes to the poor, and restoration begins for God's creation. And today, we are baptizing Mason. Some of the earliest language that the church has used about baptizing was putting on a new robe, the white robe of righteousness. It's also the language the church has used about Jesus' incarnation. Christ put on our human nature and thereby redeemed it, joining it eternally to the divine nature. In just a minute, little Mason will put on Christ. His human nature will be joined eternally to Christ's divine nature. Mason, like the rest of us, will take his place in the incarnation, and after we've baptized him, we'll walk around and sprinkle everybody so that everybody gets wet, reminding us that we too have taken our place in the incarnation. Of course, Mason is too little to answer the questions that we will ask of him, whether he renounces Satan and all of the spiritual forces of evil that rebel against God and turns to Christ as his Savior, But he is joining a community that answers these questions for him and answers yes. We believe in the Trinity, and we will say that in the baptismal covenant. And for us, it's not just an abstraction or a statement of the way things are, but very practical. It's a statement about us. We believe that the three persons of the Trinity exist eternally which means that Christ's divine nature is not just a one-off affair. God didn't take on human nature during Christ's time on earth and then set it aside. The Son, the second person of the Trinity, exists eternally. And so the incarnation is something that exists eternally. didn't just happen back then, 2,000 years ago, and then over with. It's still today. And why does that matter? Because as members of Christ, it means we are the body of Christ eternally. We, the church, extend the incarnation into time and space. When we baptize Mason, he ceases to be just a human being. He becomes divine in the same way that Christ is divine, eternally joining human and divine nature. So, if Jesus read this passage from Isaiah about himself and said to the audience, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, then we are going to say the same thing about Mason. Right about now, Rob and Jen are saying, who? Mason? Is going to bring good news to the poor and relief to the captive and set about bringing on God's jubilee year? All of us are saying, who? Me? After the creed, when we confess our faith, we will answer five questions. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching? Will you persevere in resisting evil? Will you proclaim the good news of God? Will you seek Christ in all persons? Will you strive for justice? All of those are tall orders. Who? Us? The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. In John's Gospel, we hear John the Baptist's testimony about the Messiah. Is he the Messiah? No, he says, I am not. He's quoting Mark's Gospel, and his readers would have remembered Mark's Gospel. In Mark's Gospel, John says, I baptize you with water. Behind me is coming one more powerful than me, the thong of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit. 
But in John's gospel, John instead says, just among you stands one whom you do not know. I'm convinced that John's gospel was meant to be read as baptismal instruction, and probably the baptizans would have heard it in full on the night of their baptism, and they would have been the ones standing. Among you stands one whom you do not know. Imagine the electric effect on them as they said, who, me, coming after John the Baptist? They and we are the incarnate God to whom John testifies. Wow. Our prayer book says much the same thing. On page 299, it says, Holy baptism is full initiation by water and the Holy Spirit into Christ's body, the church. The bond which God establishes in baptism is indissoluble. We are the incarnation. We extend Christ's mediation between God and humanity into history. Christ did not cease being divine when he was raised from the dead, nor does he cease being human but took our nature into the presence of God. We continue that presence here on earth on behalf of the world. Today, that scripture from Isaiah is fulfilled in our hearing. Mason will die in these waters to a strictly human way of being, to a self-interested way of life that sees good only in this life, He will die to anything that exalts one human being over another while diminishing the other, to anything that makes a distinction between one human being and another at the expense of the other, and instead be restored to newness of life, the life of God's people freed from their exile. Of course, we all know, having been baptized ourselves, that that life is incomplete here and now. We wait for God to bring its fulfillment We look forward to that day, the advent of that fuller life. And we offer ourselves as the body of Christ for the intercession of the world. Who, me? Interceding for the world? Yes, us. We pray at this altar for the needs of the world and offer ourselves to be the answer to those prayers, standing in both realms, human and divine because they have been joined in Christ's body. And it's appropriate today that we commend Dan to God, because Dan has entered that fuller life for which we intercede in this world. When Christ entered into the Father's presence, he continues that mediation, his intercession for us, pleading his sacrifice with God. We intercede in this world. Christ intercedes for us and for the world in that Dan now joins that innumerable company of saints who join Christ in that heavenly worship while joining us also in our worship here on earth. In the creed, we confess our belief in the resurrection of the body and the communion of saints that gathers with us every time we gather at this altar. That's why we say the same creed at burial and at baptism. They're both Easter liturgies. Mason today enters that eternal life which Dan has entered in its fullness. We with Mason will continue our work for the joy of the world, extending Christ's incarnation here and now, interceding for the world, seeking to bring it into the joy of God's restoration. Dan enters that great feast for which this feast is just the appetizer. Mason joins us at this table looking forward to that great table and seeking to make it a reality while Dan joins the real table, 
and joins us here in that great communion of saints to pray for us as we pray for the world. We all become part of the one eternal incarnation, the joining of the divine and human natures in Christ in the church. Amen.